To Hell with the Hot Dish represents the opinions and musings of three not overly intelligent pastors working to challenge a church long defined by a cliché casserole culture. The thoughts expressed here are their own and not necessarily the thoughts of any larger institution. So feel free to find your seat, stow all expectations for answers in the overhead compartment, and join us on this misguided adventure. This is To Hell with the Hot Dish. Welcome to the podcast. This is To Hell with a Hot Dish. This is the meeting of the minds, the collection of thoughts, the wonderful symposium of ideas that is being comprised here between three pastors trying to figure out how we do faith and life. Um, it is We're glad you are here with us on this endeavor where we're trying to live our faith more authentically. I am Kyle Rouse, pastor out of Fort Worth, Texas. And I'm Lorne out of Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, repping the OHIO, and it is good to be with you, too. Welcome, Lorne. Hey, good to see you, Kyle, again. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Who do you think you are? Alex. Is that what you think a show should start like? All NPR soft-spoken? Hey there, welcome to this discussion. No, I'm telling you, the secret to a person, like, how do you get right into those earbuds is shouting. (laughs) Shouting gets their attention, Kyle. Alex, stop shouting for one minute, Alex. Hey, listen, Alex, we had a meeting. Kyle and I had an executive session. We did. And we talked about it. What? And you're... Your voice might not be suited for the intro simply because... I disagree wholeheartedly. (laughs) You sound kind of like the guy running the Ferris wheel at the carnival, Alex. There's nothing wrong with that. That guy gets a lot of heat, you know? He gets everyone on the... the, He gets them on the ride. That's what I'm trying to do. Get people on the ride that is to hell with the hot dish. Hello, extra, extra. Hear all about it. We're talking about stuff. When our listeners hear your voice, though, they're probably confused because they're looking for a snow cone machine somewhere. <laughs> yeah, that's – you tell me that doesn't leave a fond impression in their mind. Uh, listen, this is how it starts, okay? Hello, it starts like that. The thing is, we Alex, we're trying to, to – excellent. Yes, we're trying to put out the best product we can. We're trying to be as excellent of a podcast as we possibly can. Oh, excellent, excellent. This is authentic work we're doing here. And it starts with, hello and welcome. Welcome to this, this misguided adventure we call To Hell with the Hot Dish. It's not, hey, everybody, thanks for tuning in. This here's Smooth Jazz ready to talk to you about the Word of God and how we do faith and life together. Kyle, it's a joke and I'm fed up with it. I'm fed up. (laughs) I'm sorry, I don't mean to be rude, but that it just there's a way about this, and the way is volume, my man. Volume. Okay. You know what? You know what, Alex? You raise a good point. 
What? Of course I do. That vo- of course you do. V- volume? We tried, Kyle. You, we, we tried. tried. We tried, but you raise you raise a good point. Uh, you know, when you're trying to put on something that is excellent, you do feel a lot of pressure. And I think, I don't know, I was coaching my son's basketball team uh, a little while ago, and not quite at that age, but you're getting close where – there's a lot of expectations for parents that want their kid to be the, the do the do the best and be one of the best ones out there. Um, and also, I think there's a little bit, there's quite a bit of talk about excellence even in the church. And and I'm wondering, is that crept into our mindset? Well, it's certainly crept into this mindset. It has, yes. And trying to usurp my introduction. <laughs> I see what, but I, I, I think, I think you're on to something is we're talking about changes being made to this flawless formula we have here of me opening the show by offering what the <laughs> world understands is excellent, which I'm trying to crack that thing wide open, you know, yeah. with a, a, a sonic blast. It is a good question though, Kyle, because you know, when you, you know, Alex, Alex has the luxury of just showing up when we record and offering himself to us. But, you know, Kyle and I, we've been hard at work behind the scenes. And whenever you've got a thing that you're passionate about, whether it's a podcast or I guess your T-ball team or whatever it might be, you mm-hmm. know, you put a lot of effort into it. Mm-hmm. You, you, you know, we've, we, you want it to be great. You, you mm-hmm. don't want to do something substandard nobody steps out in life and says you know i want to create something or i want to i want to do something and i'm just gonna i'm gonna put half my effort into it i I don't understand that mentality but it does seem that it can go overboard right Mm -hmm. like i the other day i was uh i got the mail when i came home from work and i was flipping through the mail and i got this flyer from the local school district and it was the state of the school uh flyer they send it out like once or twice a year Mm -hmm. And I think on that flyer, I, I was reading it probably 15 times was the word excellence. Mm-hmm. Like apparently my daughter is yeah. only three years old, so she doesn't go to school yet. But apparently when she does go to school, she's going to have excellent teachers, excellent facilities, excellent uh, cafeteria, <laughs> excellent food in the cafeteria, <laughs> excellent uh, sporting teams, excellent PTO organizations. Because why? I live apparently in a very excellent community. And I, I read that and I thought, man, I, I felt really good about myself. I thought, you know what? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all, I'm doing all right. Um, but then I started thinking, then I looked over at Brianna, my daughter, and she was watching Doc McStuffins and she had spilled her crackers everywhere. And I thought, oh no, like, is she going to, is she going to fit into an excellent school? Is she, she can't excellent eat, enough? She, she spilled crackers. <laughs> she can't even eat her crackers. And half the time, I can't even, you know, we're trying to potty train. I'm like, you you, you must not be excellent because you're, 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 you've still got some work to do. So <laughs> You just added a whole other level of pressure, my friend. And then last week she got the flu after I got the flu and she threw up eight times one evening and I thought – an excellent kid wouldn't throw up eight times. Something's wrong. <laughs> no. I, half that <laughs> at, at worst. She has a subpar immune system. <laughs> oh, no. I see this all the time with my nephews, my nieces and nephews. They're, right. you know, like you were saying with what was it, the, the little basketball team or kids team? It's like yeah. kids are barely out of pull-ups. Yeah. And their parents expect them to be like Michael Jordan. 
yeah. like excellent at everything. And I, I think that value is everywhere in, in culture today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think so too. And I think the reason we do that is I think there's just, just this, this grave insecurity or something that comes from living a life uh, where everyone does fairly well by like global standards, by the world standards. If you live here in the United States, I'm not saying there aren't great difficulties or hunger here, but I think if you get into a community that's mainly comprised of people that are generally doing well, it turns into a competition of who's doing the most well, who's got the most uh, irons in the fire, who's the most involved, who's having the most, who's that, who's, who's affecting the community and its behaviors the most and that's danger. I just, I don't get it, but it's definitely a part of culture. And I think that, that kind of creates that, uh, that busyness culture too. It, it feeds into that, that we need to be doing great things mm-hmm. all the time in order to feel like we're doing anything at all. Oh, feel like we have any worse at all, right? That's it, I think. I can look back at my body of work and say, look at everything I've done and look how excellent it's been or the excellent things I've been a part of along the way. And I think I think we live into that more than we like to admit. A great example of that. So the la- I'm a big Ohio State, Ohio State Buckeye fan, football fan. And I went to Ohio State for undergrad. And when I was there, uh, we were on a hot streak. We were excellent. The football team was awesome. And, uh, and so I lived through, you know, some great years of Ohio State football. Well, recently, just a couple of years ago, my Buckeyes won the national championship. We won the whole the whole thing. We won the trophy. I've heard about yeah, it. Yeah, we saw the news. Thanks. Whatever, man. And it felt great. Well, then this last year, the football team came off of being national champions. We had a couple quarterbacks that were amazing that uh, that were on the team, and and we were undefeated for most of the season. And then we lost a game. We lost a game, and you would have thought that there was a <laughs> hunger famine in Ohio. You would have thought that, you know, I've never heard more criticism of a coach and a player of a team. And it's like we just expect total excellence that this Mm -hmm. team has to win everything. And it's like put it in perspective. They were on like a 20 or 30 game winning streak and they lost. It's got to end someday. Mm -hmm. They lost one game, though, and everyone went up in in arms because apparently – we just expect the things we care about to be totally excellent. But is that wrong? Is that wrong in sense of, uh, like, as you were saying, this kind of, is that a Christian ethic or a Christian value or virtue? I mean, I think there's a good a good point in people who are talking about their lives being a reflection of something positive. They wanted to, I think it's, I don't know how unhealthy, it, I mean, it can, everything can become unhealthy when we go nuts about it. But excellence the word's great. It means like merit of significant merit. It means this, but I guess, yeah. It, what is it? What's wrong with that? What is it telling us that we're seeking it so hard? You know, mm-hmm. I just think it. I think it has crept into the church culture a little too much. Well, that was my question: is where where do we see that it's crept into the church culture? If it's a cultural thing, then where does it creep into the church? walls i think it does it on numbers i think when people are together they there's always if there's a couple lutheran churches in a town i was raised in a town that had like two so it wasn't like there was like any sort of like competitive nature to it but as i've Mm -hmm, gone like to mm -hmm. the midwest and out here there's a lot of lutheran churches and i think sometimes it turns into like a numbers game of who's the big one 
And that means it's sure. like an excellent one because it's the biggest. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there's there, I think, is one identifier of excellences. You're big and you have stuff going on and you're busy. You're a busy church does indicate like, yeah, have- oh, what a great place to be a part of. Excellence in worship, excellence in programs, right? To keep everybody busy. Right, those things. That's huge, Kyle. Yeah. Like I, I see, I see excellence in worship. I think the first place you see it in a church is in worship. Yeah. And um, and I don't think it's often like a spoken value. You probably won't see excellence as a value on many church websites where they list their values. You know, like it, it's not one of our written values in our official statement or anything. But I think it. It it creeps in and it competes to become a, a value of the community. And I think you see it in worship. Like if any little mistake happens, right? If the band or the, 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 the people playing music, if they miss a note or they do something wrong. And I admit like my church, we, we fall into that. We fall into that trap of thinking that everything has to be seamless and perfect and excellent. And if someone plays a chord wrong or or they play, you know, a little too early or the organ pedal gets hit a little early, there's this awkward silence and beat red faces and I'm like <laughs> we don't have to be we don't have to be that embarrassed about it. and then I, I usually like making the joke like, hey, welcome to Prince of Peace. We are not the slickest church in town. Yeah. Right. But I don't want to be like, I don't want, I don't think excellence is a Christian virtue. Mm-hmm. Like I, I really don't think it's something. We excellence should. isn't something to strive for is what you're saying. No, because I think in worship, it can border then on performance. Like if you're seeking mm-hmm. excellence, then I think it's easy to, to like go down that rabbit trail of we have to perform and everything has to be perfect. Well, and then, then performance leads to entertainment, right? And that's not right. participatory. Right. Right. Well, then I guess it becomes then if something's successful, it's because we executed it well, not because necessarily Jesus and the Holy Spirit and God were present in our worship in significant, dynamic and transformative ways. I don't think Jesus said we had to be excellent. Right. I don't I don't remember that line. I hear I remember it from Bill and Ted. Be excellent to one another. <laughs> well, I don't know. Now I'm now my mind's going because isn't there a line there that says be perfect as your heavenly father? is Yes. Perfect? OK. Ooh, OK. Dang. Yeah. Lauren. Lauren just Bible checked us. Convicted. Maybe that's part of it. Be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Well, the last time I read scripture, God sent a whole flood to kill all of us because he got mad at us. Uh, so God was fussy. <laughs> We didn't do a good job. Yeah, we didn't do a good job. So that gives me permission to totally just ream out someone when they do a bad job. No, I'm kidding. But <laughs> here's the flood. Here's my flood of insults. I don't Time know. Like, for me. So you have that. Like you definitely have that in scripture. Be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. But I don't I don't see excellence as like the virtue that Jesus was trying to teach his disciples. Mm-hmm. Well, they certainly weren't excellent. You know, like they weren't perfect in their gigs at all. Like ever. They're always, I mean, Jesus says, how long, Lord? You know, like he struggles with them, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that they're not good. doesn't mean they're not his disciples. He doesn't even call the A-team to be his disciples. Like he doesn't call the the, the most educated young disciples to come follow him. He calls like everyday people, like fishermen and and, uh, people that are learning the family trade. And he kind of calls the B-team, right? Mm -hmm. That's how I look at it. Mm -hmm. I take comfort in that. I, I don't know. I just I, I think that we can border on some dangerous things when we make excellence to be our top value. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and have you ever heard stories of like young people who or even people who are in the church now who are adults 
talk about uh, so, so say you're leading and you're reaching out to somebody like, Hey, would you mind reading, uh, this passage during worship? Or would you be interested in serving in worship in this capacity? I've met so many people that are genuinely afraid of serving in worship because of the fear that they'll somehow mess it up. And I think a culture of excellence can, can grow that anxiety, oh, yeah. which is like, no, you're being there and being a part is of like all the value in the world, not doing it perfect. It's being, I mean, I'm not against helping people feel comfortable doing it, but you can really do this. It is something God's calling all of us to is to be people who, who can do this kind of worship thing together with all of our talents and lack of talents. Mm-hmm. And that starts with the tone of worship. And, and I mean, if you're specifically talking about worship, and and how you react, Lauren, like you said, if the organist plays a, a note too soon or, or something like that, because it has to do with I've seen some pastors that get very upset when something goes wrong. And then right. I've seen some that when something goes wrong, like at our church, we had uh, somebody that, uh, that was singing part of the liturgy and they sang the wrong setting or something. And instead of going, oh man, we'll, 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 we'll fix that next time. We just said, well, you just, you invented a whole new setting there. All right, let's go with it. And we just kind of laugh and go about yeah. it, you know, and then suddenly it becomes not about a performance or a, perf- a perfect performance. But it becomes about, I think, at, at least worship can be the, and a community of faith can be a holy experiment, right? right. Where we do this together, where, where else are you going to find, um, senior citizens and high schoolers working side by side, worshiping together? Where can you, I mean, kind of have this intergenerational moment where we're all there for the, we're coming as we are as imperfect human beings and doing something together. I think, it can be this experiment more than an excellent uh, moment, right? Well, I think it's an expression, and I think it's an honest expression yeah. when we when people are called as they are to to express in a way uh, their their form of worship, their gift in worship, right. their voice in worship, whatever that is. Because if it is all about excellence, then what do we do about little preschool bell choirs? Darn it, Susie, <laughs> you're off tempo. <laughs> no, like. What a beautiful thing to have children expressing praise with little bells, you know? No, 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 no. They're not going to get up there and just goof off. We want a real clear expression of 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 of, of the excitement surrounding Palm Sunday. Right. It's like, no, let them ring their bell. Here's the problem that I think often that that surrounds uh, when we lift up the virtue of excellence. Um, is that often we have been the ones to define what excellence looks like. And and, and, and we're not allowing we're not allowing the gospel or or Jesus or God or what we see in scripture define what excellence looks like. So excellence in and of itself might not be a bad virtue. Um no. but when but when we've defined excellence based off of the world's values or yeah. or things like perfection or performance or standards that we set, we just need to ask ourselves the question. If we're going to seek excellence as a value, then what would Jesus call excellent? Mm-hmm. You know, because Jesus seems mm-hmm. to call excellent um, little children that come running to him and the disciples try to keep them away, right? And Jesus says, no, actually, unless you become like one of these, unless, <laughs> unless you become like Brianna, who spills her chips everywhere and isn't potty trained, then you're not going to see the kingdom of heaven. So maybe we just need to redefine what excellence looks like. 
mm-hmm. and and allow allow us to find that. I don't know, maybe in like the fruits of the spirit. Maybe excellence is joy, peace, patience, kindness. Well, excellence is usually it's it's outstanding. You know, it's extremely good. It's it's superior than other things, which doesn't seem to be what Jesus is getting at. Um, so what would be the alternative language if it wasn't excellence? Because I do think language is half the issue is that excellence is determined as better than of a better caliber. It is, uh, it's got a supremacy to it over and against others. We're not like that. So what would be a faithful way of saying what we hope our ways, our worship, all those things would be? If we don't want to say they're, they need to be excellent. What's a better Jesus word? for it. I've got a story for that actually. So, um, about my mother, my mom and I had this, uh, tradition all through uh, junior high and high school and into college where after my last set of exams for the school year, my mom would take me out to lunch. And if you're from the Midwest, you've probably been to a Bob Evans restaurant and we would go to uh, a Bob Evans together and we'd have lunch, and it was our way of connecting and catching up after a long school year, after the busyness of exams. And it was really a precious time in my life. And every year, um, when the lunch would come, my mom would ask me to pray for our food. Um, and so we'd always say a little prayer, then we'd go on eating and talking. Well, our very last time doing this was my uh, senior year in college. And um, I took my last finals. I was done. I was going to graduate from college. And the next step for my life was going into seminary um, to study, to become a pastor. And so my mom asked me, like she normally did, to pray over the meal. Will you, will you pray? And I said, no, mom. Why don't, why don't you pray for the food, you know? And I bowed my head and I folded my hands. I closed my eyes and it was totally silent, like totally silent, kind of awkward. And I looked up. And my mom was crying, like tears streaming down her face. And I'm like, Mom, like, what, what's wrong? Did I say something? What Did happened? I and, and she said, I can't pray. I can't pray out loud. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, Mom, you've been a Sunday school teacher your whole life. Like, you've, you've, what do you mean you can't pray? And she's like, I just can't pray as eloquently as, as you can, Lauren. And I I can't pray. I can't put the words together and I can't, I can't do it. And I said, mom, no, no, no. Like that's not the point at all. But I had this huge realization that maybe she had picked up this value um, from the Christian community that her prayers had to be eloquent or beautiful. She had to have all the right words. She had to put it together. Her prayer had to be excellent. Right. Mm -hmm. And we had this conversation about, no, mom, like praying is just about being authentic. It's just about opening your heart up and being real. Just just be honest. Just mm-hmm. you don't have to have the right words. You don't have to and um and I prayed for the lunch and then we ate. But but that's always stuck with me as one of those formative things in my life of ministry that like I think sometimes we communicate excellence and we don't even know it. When really maybe the better to your long long answer to your question Alex, but maybe it's Yes, thank you. It's about time. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Maybe the better virtue is authenticity. Just be authentic. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to be excellent. Just be you. I don't. What do you think? I think we've we've tossed around the word faithful. I think faithful is 
is identifying God, God in us, God present in us, that God calls us, that God loves us, not as some other creature we're going to be some other day when we find the right words, or we better understand why this all is happening. But God loves us. And I think faithfully praying is more praying from a place of knowing the words aren't all of it. It's the way. It's the words that are that come from us, that aren't fabricated, that isn't just repeating pretty words we've heard before. That's a heartbreaking story because I think that's a lot of people, when you talk about growing deeper in faith, there's a fear of like, I don't know if I'm up to it. I don't think I can do it like other people who I admire. And that's just a bummer because faith isn't just hurdles. It isn't measurements and metrics. It's, ugh, it's, it's deeper. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I that that is a powerful story and and I I, w- I was looking up to um, that passage that you had mentioned. Uh, Therefore, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And I pulled it up uh, from Matthew five, and I just I, I was re- thinking about the whole context and what you were saying, and I think it all comes together really nicely. What Jesus is saying in that passage is, uh, you shall starts off by saying. You've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, right? And hmm. what he's saying is go farther, love even more. And and what he's saying is you, um, God shows no partiality in love. So you, be, you are to be perfect means you are to love as God loves without partiality. That's what it's talking not per- not living perfection um, but it's talk about loving your enemies without partiality right so loving. if we're to have yeah it's about loving now what is love love is genuine love is authentic everyone can love and it may, you can't always articulate your love and you know when you when you you fumble over the words and you don't know how to how to say it best and sometimes you don't know how to show it and we're just trying to love whatever way we can but if truly loving is perfect in and of itself because it is genuine, it's authentic, it's real, right? And it builds community. And, and if that's what we're called to be, I think that's a much, that's a much easier task than to be 100% accurate and perfect all the time, right? And, and then it's right. freeing. It's freeing to think of love. Love is love warts and all. Excellence is different. Right. Well, I think it's I, – I, thank you for bringing that context because I think that – that helps. That helps a lot, and I, I think there though that there's something too generationally. Like, do do you sense this too? I don't like. We're all we're all millennials, right? Like we're we're I'm in right that on the line. I'm right on you're, the you're, line. You're a Gen Xer, maybe right on the line, a millennial. Yep. Mm-hmm. But I I think excellence um, is, and I'm stereotyping here, but I think it was probably more of a predominant value for the baby boom generation. Boomers. Yep. Like. Like valuing I think so. excellence in in so many areas of life, and so um, if you're listening and you're a baby boomer and you want to push back at all, uh, feel free. I'd love to hear from you about what do you think of when you think of the word excellence. Um, but I think that that's not really a value of younger generations as mm-hmm. much as as much as the values of authenticity, being real, being transparent, being open, being just honest. I think those are maybe stronger values of people in uh, the Gen X or millennial generation or I don't know what the new one is, the iPhone generation or the <laughs> I don't know what the young the, the younger generation's called yet. Youths. TBD. I don't know. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think this is a good conversation. The stories are great. And I think then where we're at is we're, we're in a place where we can safely say what you guys did to me at the beginning of this podcast was wrong and it will never be repeated. <laughs> and I will be gracing all of your earbuds again with my shouts of hello and welcome to the podcast because it may be excellent for Kyle's sweet, sweet voice to come through your earphones and, and just take you right into the podcast. But the authentic expression of to hell with a hot dish <laughs> is all about volume and power. All of it. No, I'm just kidding. No, that, uh, but yeah, tell us what you think. That's what we're wondering. We want to hear what your thoughts are on excellence, because as we said, it is not a bad thing to want to do things well. T- tell us how excellence has has encouraged you. How is that expression? But also we want to hear what are some other approaches? Faithfulness. Would it be authenticity? Um, what do you think of that word excellence? And how do you think it fits in as like a Christian value or not as a Christian value? And spend a little time thinking about it even deeper. Like is excellence a value that you would prioritize for your children? If you have kids out there that you want your kids to grow up with the value of excellence over and above other values, you know, like what are the values you really want to live into and you want to teach your kids and you want, you want to be true about your life or your church. I'd love to hear those. Like what, what should a Christian value? Well, and you you model it for your children, but you also model it as a Christian for the people that we live in community with and work with and all that. I mean, we, we embody that. So we should think about it. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, yeah. Give us feedback on Facebook. Uh, talk to us on, uh, check us out on tohellwiththehotdish.com. We're on Twitter. We want to hear your feedback and we want to know what your thoughts are on excellence um, and values that could be uh, could be lived out. And if you don't like the show, apparently we just really don't care because we're not seeking excellence. That's just not. No. <laughs> we're I'm just kidding. being we real here. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, if you do like it, please rate and review. That's yeah. right. Yeah, and subscribe to us on iTunes or whatever your favorite podcast catcher would be. Uh, check us out and leave us a review. Let us know how unexcellent we are, <laughs> or how That's real, too. or how real we are. Whatever. We're not the we're not the slickest podcast in town. <laughs> no, we are not. Not at all. But that's why we named ourselves what we named ourselves. So thanks for listening. We are, as always, to hell with the hot dish. To hell with the hot dish. To hell with the hot dish. Bye-bye.